Welcome to another episode of Fake True Stories, our newest podcast where we look at the true history behind movies that claim to be based in historical fact. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Isabel Gonzalez. And today we're discussing the origins of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League as spotlighted in the 1992 baseball dramedy A League of Their Own. This is a unique film for this show, as none of the film's characters are real, but the events that the film depicts are largely based in fact, so sort of the opposite of 300. Before we get into the history of women's professional baseball, let's talk about this film. Um, Isabel, it was your pick this week. Why'd you choose this film? Man, I grew up watching this film. I used to play softball when I was a kid. Um, I don't think that's why I first watched the film. I don't really remember the first viewing, but I remember we did watch it as a team, and it just always stuck with me as like a cool story. Um, I really liked, you know, seeing a sport that I loved played by women, and it wasn't... Um, I don't know how to say it, but it wasn't, like, um, mellowed, if that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like women's sports get a bad rep. Everyone's like, oh, like, oh, it's women's basketball. It's going to be boring. Oh, they don't care. They just focus on fundamentals. They don't know how to dunk. Like, I don't, I don't want to watch that. But it was cool to see this, like, you know, sports film about women that showed them doing athletic feats like dudes do. You know, it wasn't like, oh, well, like, they don't do that stuff. They're just dainty. Like, it showed them trying to be the opposite of that, which was pretty cool. Um, I also appreciate the comedy in it. Freaking Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan gets me every single time. I quote that man all the time. Um, and I thought it would be something good because it's a vastly different film than 300. So, you know, let's, <laughs> let's jump a couple hundred centuries away uh, to the 1940s. Yeah, good idea. There's a lot of ground to cover on this show, and th things are easier to find when it's as recent as the 1940s. We know these people existed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this wasn't Herodotus trying to pull a fast one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this was a good pick. This was my first time seeing this movie. Uh, it's been on my list for a long time. I've had people recommend this to me for years. I remember watching the ending as a kid on TV, thinking, ah, oh, baseball. And that was kind of the extent of my thoughts. Did you see the ending, like, when the old ladies were playing baseball together? Or, like, when Dottie drops the ball ending? I saw it was just the, the old ladies in the, in oh, the so museum. Had... <laughs> just okay. seeing, like, yeah. reflecting on their hit, on their lives. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do something else. Like, wow, this is such a boring film. <laughs> like, you missed all the good yeah. stuff. I'm not really a big baseball fan, but I do love baseball movies. Like, The Sandlot is one of my all-time favorite movies. I think that's delightful. Field of Dreams is great. Eight Men Out is great. Eight Men Out is one we're going to do on this show eventually, because that's a crazy story. But, uh, yeah, League of Their Own. I didn't actually know it was based in mm -hmm. in truth until you uh, brought it to the show. Mm -hmm. Like, literally the only thing that's, like, the biggest, oh, that's not true of all the characters. But I'll talk about why I'm okay with that later, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, a League of Their Own was directed by Penny Marshall, who rose to fame in the 1970s with her starring role on the series Laverne and Shirley, which was created by her brother Gary Marshall, who actually plays Walter Harvey in the movie. Uh, and if y'all are Hocus Pocus fans, you may remember Gary Marshall as the devil and Penny Marshall as his angry wife who kicks the witches out of their house. <laughs> yeah, these two have been in comedy for a very long time. Regrettably, they've both pa uh, since passed away. But uh, this is a crowning achievement for, for the two of them. Penny Marshall also directed Big, Awakenings, The Preacher's Wife, and Riding in Cars with Boys for her death at 75 in 2018 to diabetes. Uh, Big is a classic. I don't know if you've ever seen Big, Tom mm -hmm. Hanks. It's like the movie that made him famous. 
this kid goes to a like a genie vending machine kind of thing, mm-hmm. and he's upset that he's not older or taller or something. He says, I wish I were big. The next morning, he wakes up as Tom Hanks. <laughs> I would love to wake up as Tom Hanks. Well, now he's like, he's a 10-year-old in the body of a 30-year-old. That's fantastic. He's like, what do I do now? I have to get a job. And his parents kick him out because they're like, who the hell are you? Get out of our son's room. I'm sure that happened in Fairly Odd Parents. It did. This was the beginning of that trope. And it's it's delightful. It's a great movie. Um, and then Awakenings. Oh, my Lord, is that such a great movie. A, a movie we could do here. It's a same deal. Uh, real situation, fictional characters about... Uh, a doctor who created a drug that brought like 20 uh, lifetime comatose people out of their coma and gave them a chance to be alive, albeit briefly, because they went, they, they, uh, the drug wore off. I think he'd never figure out what happened there, but it's a really depressing movie, but it is a great movie and really shows Penny Marshall's versatility as a director too. comedy drama. She can do it all. Preacher's Wife was a remake of a 1940s movie called The Bishop's Wife that was really good, and I've never seen Riding in Cars with Boys. Um, yeah, my cat is here b- bothering us. It he happens. tried to nip at my foot. <laughs> <laughs> if you all have been following our shows for a while, you know Seymour, the filmgasm mascot, who just is always here. <laughs> to be fair, I did boop his butt. That's on you, then. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, A League of Their Own. How did this happen? Uh, Marshall was the one who was inspired to develop the film after watching a 1987 TV documentary of the same name. This half-hour doc told a brief story of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League and some of the major players involved, such as, uh, what was her what was her real name? Dottie, one second, Dottie Collins and Faye Dancer, I believe was another one. And uh, this documentary is available for free on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's like 27 minutes long. Uh, doesn't go into a lot of detail. It was a brief TV thing, which I find kind of funny that, you know, the, the story of this also all too brief sports moment was also pretty brief and not a lot of people knew about it. But Penny Marshall watched it and was like, I got to do something about this. So she uh, brought this idea to the studio and they developed this thing. Uh, the film's impressive ensemble includes Oscar winners, Gina Davis and Tom Hanks, as well as pop superstar, Madonna future comedian and talk show host, Rosie O'Donnell, SNL alum, John Lovitz, Oscar nominee, David Strathairn and character actress, Lori Petty, the loaded cast. Um, Gina Davis is our hero Dottie. And I've always been a fan of Gina Davis. Uh, ever since I saw Beetlejuice as a kid. And I don't really know where she went after the 90s. Mm-mm. She kind of just stopped. Well, she had um, Jeff Goldblum's baby <laughs> after he inseminated her before becoming a fly. That, so that's where that went. That will wreck some careers. Yeah, I think yeah. so. You birth a maggot baby. It's hard to walk back from that. Movie, I can't. I still, to this day, I don't know why you, why did you watch that? <laughs> you don't brother, like horror, you don't like gore. Why would you My Goldblum, ju- and I said, nah. <laughs> the fly. I watch it. It's like... Not being able to swim and just jumping off Niagara <laughs> Falls. I, I don't. <laughs> that movie traumatized me. God. <laughs> she is she is great in the fly. <laughs> you have to see. I recommend this movie from the eighties. It was the um, eighty five. It's called Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Mm-hmm. It was made to settle some sort of oil bet. It's such a weird movie. It's Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. It's where they met. Huh. They got married and then got divorced. I didn't know they were married. Yeah. <laughs> Um, these two reporters 
are sent to Transylvania to look for Frankenstein. And they're like, um, Frankenstein's a book. Like, we're not going to find a story. And they go to Transylvania, and it's like the opposite of what you'd expect. It's a very sweet, nice country. It's, the weather's nice. And they're like, what, what's the deal here? But they find a mad doctor, and something's going on. And Gina Davis is this, like, nymphomaniac who thinks she's a vampire. It's a very weird movie. Interesting. But it's, it's a fun one. <laughs> Why did they go to Transylvania to find Frankenstein? Wasn't that... He wasn't over there. He wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Well, I mean, the doctor wasn't, you know, everyone can be like, it's actually Frankenstein's well, monster. There's a wolfman, a mummy, and, like, they all just kind of pop in because oh, Transylvania okay. so is supposed to... one of those movies. All yeah. right, all right, But all right. in reality, they're all, like, just... They're not actually monsters. They're just, like, patients of a doctor who, whenever he steps into his lab, goes crazy. It's like a weird thing. And he's just trying to help these people. Huh. But the reporter and the mayor of the town are like, they're monsters. we got to stop them. Wow, that's rude. It's rude. They must be from Spartan culture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom Hanks. Who doesn't know Tom Hanks? Who doesn't love Tom Hanks? <laughs> you may have heard him as Tim Honks. <laughs> he's the best. Uh, a lot of people consider him America's dad. Yeah. And since the 80s, he's been giving us just quality entertainment. Two-time Oscar winner, both very well-deserved. Uh, he's got one coming out in January called A Man Called Otto. We read it, you know, admittedly, it doesn't look great. But you know what? We're all allowed one or two fuck-ups. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to see the movie he did where he played Mr. Rogers? Absolutely. I actually did. I did. Ah. I initially said that lying, and then I remembered that I did. So it was actually a truth. <laughs> no, I did. It's just been... A really no way I know it's actually lying. I was thinking about the one where it was like the Walt Disney story. Um, so no, I didn't see that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for that emotional roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> it was a lie, and then it wasn't a lie, and then it was a lie. Rode right, right around to no, no. <laughs> well, it was a delightful movie and probably full of shit. Perfect for this show. Perfect. And yeah. just Tom Hanks is Mister Rogers. It's inspired. Like why? Who wouldn't? And then it's Walt Disney. He keeps playing these historically. Yeah. Like, I want a likable character. I mean, Disney had his, you know, Nazi-related flaws. Yeah, I mean, but everyone has that at some point. As we've learned recently, <laughs> haven't we? Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but yeah, Tom Hanks, uh, let's see, some of my favorites of, of Hanks. Uh, he did a movie in 85. I don't know why I keep going back to 85. I guess it was a great year. Volunteers, where oh. he plays a rich kid in Maine who... Uh, ends up accruing quite a gambling debt and cheats his way onto a plane to Thailand to join the Peace Corps nice. and ends up actually helping these people and like learning about communist China who's trying to get into them and like get into their village. John Candy's in it. It's so fucking funny. Hmm. Didn't get a lot of attention. It's one of the few films where Tom Hanks plays a straight up douchebag. Oh. It's also where I learned the word douchebag. Ah. <laughs> um, I love the Da Vinci Code. I know that's divisive, but I enjoyed that movie. I like a good treasure hunt. <laughs> Forrest Gump is great. Apollo 13 is great. He's the man. Um, Madonna. I've never liked Madonna. <laughs> I like her in that movie. I like her in A League of Their Own. Um, because I feel like I forget it's Madonna because <laughs> I don't usually, like, I can't put a face with Madonna, honestly. I know her voice. Uh, but she's not singing in the movie until the very end. Um, but that's not even a part of the movie. It's just the credits. But I do like her in that. I like May in that in that 
movie. And I do like Rosie O'Donnell's character in that movie. I know people hate Rosie O'Donnell, but like, I like her. <laughs> yeah, they're fine in the movie. Uh, I just, Madonna as a person, I find yeah. absolutely detestable. She's trying to act like a young pop star. I'm like, girl, you're like, what, 60 now? Like, oh, yeah. we don't want to see your saggy tits. <laughs> For me, it was uh, in the 2000s or in the 90s, she hooked up with Guy Ritchie, mm. uh, great director, English director. And she started speaking with an English accent. <laughs> and, and everyone was like, what, what are you doing? That's what happens apparently when you have sex with someone from another country. You absorb their, yep. their it's tra- like osmosis. traits. Yeah, of course. We you also might get pregnant, but the most important effect that they don't teach you in sex ed, and this is why we got to reform this, is that you become whatever nationality they are. It sounds like a great, like, quick scheme to learn a new language. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine if that was the case? There'd be a lot more STDs and unwanted pregnancies out there, I think. That, and you would never be able to lie no. about did you sleep with that person? And in, in like an Asian accent, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like, yeah. And they're just like in perfect like Midwestern English, like, yeah, we did. <laughs> I want to live in that world. But yeah, Madonna's fucking crazy. And I really don't know why she's here. Uh, and also, why does she sing such an incredibly depressing song over the end credits of this movie? I cannot watch the end credits of that movie because it makes me really sad. Um, Connor and I were at trivia like a couple weeks ago before he had seen A League of Their Own and that was one of the questions like what movie did she make a song for in the post credit scene and I was like oh man it's A League of Their Own like that always made me sad even as a kid like going through existential crises like I'm never gonna have a job as like a seven year old when yeah. she's singing that like man I'm gonna miss this time with my friends playing with Barbies when I'm 50 like oh no but it's after like a very uplifting like yeah. hey we did it we were there yeah. scene and then it's like well everyone dies like <laughs> vibe it's like, they're all gonna die soon so that's sad <laughs> just like betty's husband christ yeah <laughs> uh and yeah rosie o'donnell she's you know doing i think she was funny in the 90s she's been doing her own thing i love her in this movie but yeah i don't really have much to say about rosie <laughs> um john lovitz he plays the baseball scout yep. and he is such a great asshole. Like he really is the best at that. I love John Lovitz. Come on, milkmaids. <laughs> he's like, ah, get away from me. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. He's, he's in a lot of stuff. He's, I don't feel <laughs> when they did a few years ago, they did the 40th anniversary Saturday night, Saturday night live special. And like everyone who's ever been on that show was there. And they did an in memoriam mm-hmm. to you know say goodbye to Chris Farley, John yeah. Belushi. And they, they ended the in memoriam with John Lovitz. And he was there. He's not dead. <laughs> it was a great joke because he's like, what? What is this? <laughs> uh, he took it in stride. He always takes it in stride. He's funny. Uh, and yeah, David Strathairn's great. He plays the the executive who works for Wrigley. He's like, give me the team. I believe in them. Oh, you mean Harvey? What did, what did I say? He said Wrigley. You said the right person. Oh, the right guy. My mistake. <laughs> you said the historically accurate My name. mistake. Harvey. Yeah, that guy. Um, and then Lori Petty. Let's talk about Lori Petty. I hate her. I hate her a lot. This character is obnoxious and pretty irredeemable in yeah. this movie. And it sucks because it's so easy to do that right. Yeah. She plays Dottie's sister, Kit. Kit. I wanted to say K. I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> um, who is just de- 
stuck in Dottie's shadow, as she thinks, and instead of maybe, you know, moving on somewhere else and trying her hand at, you know, making her own life, she just stays with Dottie and just bitches the whole time. And then in the end, Dottie kind of just gives her, her a win, like, here. And then they don't speak for, like, 30 years. <laughs> but then they meet each other at the end, and they're just like, oh, thank God we found each other moment. And I'm just like, no, you didn't earn that. Yeah, no. Kit, Kit definitely was a, a baby in that movie. When I was younger, I never, like, noticed it. But as I got older, I'm like, man, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you're being such an ass. Like, your sister didn't want to do this in the first place. She's only here for you. And then she's the one that offered to trade herself. And, of course, they weren't going to, you know, because, I mean, she was right in that scene where she's like, Miss Perfect. Like, that's that's true. They wouldn't have traded her. But keep in mind, you wouldn't have been there if she wasn't nice enough to be there for you. Like, I don't know. I think the actress, you know, is it, she, she does a good job at playing a whiny baby um, sister. There's a reason I don't, for I, that. Yeah. Like, I don't know her in any other movies or anything like that. But, yeah, she... Uh, well, according to my sources, Lori Petty... Uh, is uh has an appropriate last name oh she's quite petty oh and man. didn't quite i think she had a major role on orange is the new black that was the most recent thing really? she, okay. like big thing she did but in the 90s she did this in a movie called tank girl which mm-hmm. didn't go well anywhere and she's had a bit of a rep for being difficult yeah so she always sounded like she was the voice actress of buttercup and i know she's not but she's got like a similar voice. So I was like growing up, I was like, is that Buttercup? Like, no, it's not. I, I didn't know what voice actors were at the time. Um, <laughs> Buttercup from the Powerpuff Yeah. Because <laughs> she's got that like raspy voice. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, those are the major players in this film. Um, a League of Their Own was a box office smash, grossing $132 million on a budget of only $40 million. Has an IMDb score of 7.3, Letterboxd score of 3.8 out of 5, Rotten Tomatoes score of 81%. Critics' consensus reads, sentimental and light, but still thoroughly charming, A League of Their Own is buoyed by solid performances from a wonderful cast. Accurate. I think that's a very apt description of this movie. Yeah. It spawned a TV spinoff in 1993 with Gary Marshall, Megan Cavanaugh, Tracy Reiner, and John Lovitz reprising their roles. It lasted five episodes before it was canceled. Woo. There was also a recent Prime Video series that premiered this past August with eight episodes. A second season is currently being discussed. I haven't checked it out. It's a completely different situation. All the characters are different. The story's different. It's just the title. Yeah. I've never liked spinoffs of things that I really enjoy because they always tend to disappoint me, so I'm just I'm not going to watch it. I'm sure it's a... I hope it's a good show because it's a really cool story. Um, that should be talked about more because any single time you hear like World War II, you know, of like the women going into the workforce, like you know about that, but you don't think about like this aspect of it. Like baseball was huge in the country. Um, so these women took it upon themselves to keep the sport going. And no, it wasn't as successful as Major League Baseball, but it was more successful than they thought, which is pretty impressive. And then it disappeared because the men came back and people don't like women's sports. And ta da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more like I don't like that. It was developed, like, it, it became something good, something that people could be proud of. But it started as, like, let's watch a bunch of scantily clad hot women play baseball. But they turned it into something that matters. Yeah. And that's, that's what's important. Um, so, that's the movie. Tell us a bit about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. What was this? How did it start? Why was it important? Yeah, so basically in the fall of 1942, a lot of the minor league teams were disbanding, which a lot of those feed into the major league teams. You know, men were being shipped off 
um, to the war front in Europe. And uh, Philip K. Wrigley, the Chicago Cubs franchise owner, was like, we need an idea because I don't want to lose money. I can't just make all my profits off of gum. Um, <laughs> so he gets a guy named Ken Sells, the assistant to the Cubs general manager, like Dwight Schrute, the assistant to the manager. This is what this guy was. Basically come up with an idea, and he comes up with a girls' softball league. There already were professional girls' softball leagues at the time. But they weren't anything, you know, popular because women weren't supposed to play sports. They were supposed to, like, stay at home, be a, a home, you know, woman, keep your nails done right, be a good stay-at-home lady. And that's what you do. So they started the All-American Girls Softball League in spring of 1943. Um, they make Ken Sells the president of the league. Uh, they have a bunch of name changes throughout. But the whole point was to keep money coming into the Major League Baseball League um, while the men were away. They initially tried to use the Major League Stadiums as a place for the, the women to play, but the owners were like, no. So that's why it's all the way up in the Midwest. It was only initially in Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Um, and it was at, like, smaller towns because the big MLT, MLB teams up there were like, no, you can't use our stadium, sorry. That is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I, that's insane. They wouldn't let them use the stadium. And they thought it would be better to do that because it could help save money. So the ma the major league teams were still going on, but a lot of the big names were going away. They were getting shipped off, you know, like, I think Joe, Joe DiMaggio ends up leaving, and he's like, oh, I'm going to go fight, you know, Hitler and kick his butt and stuff. Nobody wanted to go to games anymore because they're like, oh, well, the people I know aren't there. So they're like, we can keep money coming in if when you guys are away, we put the girls in there. And they were like, no, we don't want that. So that's why they were they were stuck in, let me see, what was it? It was South Bend, Rockford, Racine, and Kenosha, um, all in different states. Racine and Kenosha were in Wisconsin, Rockford was in Illinois, and South Bend was in Indiana. And yes, then we have our baseball league formed. Um, I believe it ends up being defunct by the mid 1950s. Yeah, uh, 43 to 54 yep. was the run of the yep. All American Girls League. And they have many uh, name changes throughout it. Initially started as the All American Girls Softball League, um, but they changed it through the first season to the All American Girls Baseball League to distinguish it from softball because they weren't using the same rules as softball, they were using baseball rules. But they did have the pitcher's mound closer, but they were using a pitcher's mound, which you don't use in softball, and they were throwing underhand, which you don't do in baseball. So it was, like, confusing for people. And then they changed it to the All-American Girls Professional Ball League just to be like, okay, it's not baseball or softball. It's just, it's the it's the ball league. It's like, just it's ball. It's its own thing. It's just ball. And That's then they cool. went back to the All-American Girls Baseball League, and then finally the American Girls Baseball League, um, when they started actually incorporating baseball rules and made the bases further apart, used a smaller ball, um, et cetera. But at some point, too, um, a rival club opened up because they were like, we got to get in on this. We got to start making money off of our professional softball leagues. Um, I don't remember what it was called. Do, 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 do. Did I not write it down? Darn it, Isabel. Anyway, there was a rival <laughs> league that opened. Um, so a lot of the teams, kind of like WWE, whenever it was WWF and then uh, World Class Wrestling, were like trading people back and forth all the time, trying to compete for viewership. That's what this, the All-American Girls Baseball League and this other team did because they wanted to profit off of women's playing baseball. But, you know, stop being relevant when the guys come home. And then you go back to being a 1950s housewife and we're going to be the nuclear family now. <laughs> Damn. Well, it's, <clears throat> I think it's cool that it did last a bit past the end of World War II. There were still people interested in this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... The movie, um, do you think this depicts the evolution and kind of the 
development of this league accurately? Well, I wouldn't want to say that the movie, like the movie was responsible for that because it only depicts the first season and there was multiple seasons of it. And there was a lot of evolution that happened as this, you know, season or as the, I guess the years went on, because this is only the first year and the first year for anything is going to be really uh, changing. Obviously it doesn't depict like the name change during it. Um, but I mean, it does show the general lack of interest at the beginning to the very end of it being popular. And that is what happened after the first season. It was very popular. And some of the major league owners were like, mm, maybe we should have let them play at our, at our stadiums. Um, but even whenever they did, they still didn't make money. Cause at some point I do believe a few of the stadiums let them come in, but they weren't making as much money as the smaller towns, which already had them. Um, but I think it does do a good job at kind of just showing you what it was like being on these teams and what it was like, you know, to try out. Um, a lot of what you see in the movie is relatively accurate. Of course, it's a movie, so it's going to be like dramatized and stuff. And they don't use any people's names properly. Uh, but that's OK that they do that. Like, I'm a, I'm all right that they don't use like historical people in this movie. Do you think that the film would lose some punch if they did that? If they used people's names? Yeah. Like um, if, if they were historically accurate as much as they could be, do you think this would be as... Well, yeah, because you couldn't make it funny. Like, you couldn't have, like, Jimmy Dugan, like, taking a piss for however many seconds, like he does, and Madonna being, like, counting, you know, on her watch. How long? Like, how long? You know? Like, you wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to freaking um, drug your your chaperone and then go dancing while the ugly one like gets drunk and is singing to some dweeb like in the audience like you couldn't do that because it wouldn't be original to the source material and that's why I'm okay when you make movies that are based in history but you use fake characters um, that's what I wish like 300 it would have been perfectly fine if you were like this is a movie set in this time period but these are not actual people so you can do whatever the fuck you want mm. and that's kind of what they did here except they still kept it historic they didn't go bananas and they were like oh yeah these girls they actually went and killed hitler themselves like <laughs> no like they didn't do that they made the team you know do what the all-american girls professional teams were did they gave them an actual team name the rockford peaches were a um team in the league and they were in fact the most successful one um they gave them all those things they just made fun characters so you could do whatever you want you're not going to use like me for example and like i have my story i actually played for the team and then you like somehow made me like mad at my sister even though i never played with my sister but you know now all of a sudden my best friend on the team is you know like they didn't butcher people's actual stories they just came up with new ones no doubt based off of other women who actually you know were inspired you know by that but yeah i don't know that was a weird rambling that's all podcasts are. It's just, it's rambling, but we use a microphone. Yeah. Um, I would have ended the movie with Dottie or Kit making a giant Babe Ruth-esque home run that flies into the horizon. And then we cut to, to 19, what, 40, let's say 44, Germany. Hitler's given a speech. He's riling everyone up. And you just see out of nowhere a baseball come out, flying out of the sky a fire trail behind it, and it just goes straight through his fucking head. <laughs> and that's how World War II ended. The end. <laughs> Everyone just kind of, like, stands there for a bit. They're not really sure. Japan to... surrenders immediately. You have no need for the atom bomb. Like, no. you don't need any of that. Uh, Mussolini is like, oh, bada boopa, and he, like, runs away. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I can do that because it's Mussolini and he's a piece of shit. He is. You can mock anybody as long as they're... <laughs> 
universally hated. The Italians hated him. It's just, yeah. it's okay. And then they elected <laughs> his like granddaughter. Yeah, perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I I like that idea. I like just you know taking a historical moment and using fictional characters to get the most you can out of that moment. Yeah, like it's like a fan fiction basically. It's like the like, Patriot. It is. It's like the Patriot. You know, like you're set in the American Revolution. You don't have. I don't remember what the guy's name is in the Patriot, but you don't have Mel Gibson's character Benjamin Martin. Okay, yeah, like, you don't have <laughs> Mr. Martin going around with like a chainsaw, like you know, I'm gonna go kill King George, and like somehow like you know, doing like a Jack Sparrow and using his like back hairs to get sea turtles across the ocean, and like. <laughs> like kills King George and then comes back and throws it on George Washington's like desk and he's like liberty bitch and then the movie ends like no because that's not accurate like you have like a pretty it's a based in history movie that's a fictionized version of it I don't know those are the movies I enjoy it doesn't have to be a historically like but like you don't have you know like outlandish things happening in a time period it shouldn't yeah it's just you know like a story that's like wow that was a cool story but it never happened because it's whatever you know but you're yeah. not ruining everything else around it to make it seem purely fantasy well as we talked about in our last episode like when you use real people i you know i give an obligation to tell their stories accurately yeah, you do but if you're gonna just you know if he if leonidas was just you know titled king shit of fuck mountain or something i would you know battle rhinos galore do whatever you want <laughs> Uh, actually, that reminds me of a robot chicken sketch they did where it was Zack Snyder's take on the American Revolution. Oh, no. And it was called 1776. And it was like George Washington, like leaping off a mountain to <laughs> sign the declaration and like just crazy shit. And the tagline was, it ain't accurate, but it'll blow your fucking mind. <laughs> ah. See, I'm okay with that. <laughs> if you go into it knowing this is not going to be an accurate, like this is going to be a fan fiction of George Washington literally like destroying every single British, but like Cornwallis, when that bitch surrendered, it wasn't just all like, oh, whatever. Nah, he goes over and he like puts a saber in his, in his skull and then like takes it out and then it goes across the Atlantic and it throws in kind of like the Hitler thing with the baseball and it goes through King George's face at his eye and it like, Ugh, and just, that's what happens. And, and the blood, like, King George's blood trail spells out no mercy. Yeah, or something where it's like, you hear an eagle call in the background like, <laughs> And it's like, what? Like, you know it's not real, but that's okay. Because you're using, you know, like, don't make a movie about a historical event using the historical characters and then actually make a historical event out of it. Like, I'm actually going to be doing the Battle of Thermopylae mm -hmm. or whatever. But, like, here are orcs that sound like throbs. Like, yeah. every single time they die. Like, no. You could do, you know, Leonidas and he's like, I'm on a mission to go kill Ares because I'm going to become a god now. Like, okay, like, this is, that didn't happen. I know that didn't happen. I'm not some ignorant person. That's the plot you know. of God of War, but yeah. It's cool. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's my biggest thing. If a movie is, you know, released... And people who are not versed in history are meant to think that it's a real historical film. Yeah. It better be accurate. But if you go in watching it knowing, like, by the title, like, okay, this isn't going to be historical. It just looks like a cool action film set in 18, you know, 52. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, do whatever the fuck you want. It's not supposed to be historic. But, like, with this movie, for example, it's a league of their own. There's no thing in the title that makes you think... This isn't, this is just going to be some gimmicky thing. Like, you have an idea, like, this This is probably going to be a, you would hope, a depiction of it. And I think they did a good job. I don't think they went crazy with it. And I, I'm happy that they didn't use actual characters because that gave them, like I said, liberty to have the funny scenes, to have, like, the comedic value of it, which makes the movie so charming. True. And it really is, like, an American audience problem where... Yeah. 
based on a true story, you, you can use that phrase so generously. Mm-hmm. It's really actually 1996, the movie Fargo. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Coen Brothers, Oscar winner. Great movie about a, a kidnapping scheme gone horribly wrong. Three or five, however million, many million dollars ended up in a case buried in, the, in a ranch somewhere. They used the phrase based on a true story for that movie, but it wasn't. There's nothing in that movie based in fact, but people still to this day go to Minnesota to try to find that that cash. Yeah. And that's that's crazy. Like there's no research involved because yeah. people don't have that kind of regular people aren't like us. They don't have time to research shit. No. Or they don't care. So no. they're gonna just believe whatever you tell them. Exactly. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna crap on um, the Lost Colony. It's a play that they do in North Carolina. If there's anyone from North Carolina listening, you might not like me for saying this. That play is a piece of trash. I worked at the national park that's over there. That's like you know the history, the place that all this stuff happened. It's the history of Roanoke Island, the first attempted English colony in the New World. And the play takes so much creative liberty, but people leaving it were like, "Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know that Virginia Dare was the reason why England became an empire. Yeah. I didn't know that the English found potatoes and brought them back to England." And Queen Elizabeth was like, "Oh my God, potatoes! Like I didn't know that. Ha-. Like it didn't happen." And I had to sit there like. <laughs> Didn't happen, but I couldn't be a buzzkill. Um, yeah, if you're making a show that's supposed to be based on a true story and it's not, say, inspired by a true story, it's inspired. It's not based because base means this is the base of it and we're going to build off of it. Like the base is like a grain of salt in your soup. And it's like, okay, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> okay. Where do you stand on films then, like Inglorious Bastards, that are very obviously <laughs> not true, but. They have historical figures like Hitler and Goebbels getting blasted apart by Jewish soldiers. It's cathartic and it's awesome, but it's bullshit. Well, you're not supposed to think that it's a true movie. It's true, but what if you're an idiot and you go in there and you go start telling people like, oh my God, I I didn't know that's a World War II ended. people would definitely make fun of you for that because I would like to assume a majority of educated individuals know that some lady did not burn down a room filled with all the Nazi delegates when it comes to being like ha 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 after getting killed by Hitler's promised child who's like the biggest cuck in the universe like no when it comes to intelligence and education assume nothing see but again and Glorious Bastards is not based on a true story Quentin Tarantino is not like well this is actually based on some chick that actually no like it's a it's a fan fiction it's like the George Washington thing that we like joked about like you could put George Washington in a movie but that doesn't mean that the movie is super accurate you're just using him as a character it's like how people use um I don't know I'm trying to think of like uh who's a who's a figure that a lot of people will like put in stuff Queen Elizabeth yeah, okay, Queen Elizabeth, or whatever. I don't know, it's just, it's stuff like that. Like, you have them in there to kind of make you feel like, okay, this is a little bit more real than, like, I don't know, The Hobbit, and none of this shit is real. So it bases it kind of in reality, but you still know it's like an alternate universe. It's a fan fiction. It's not real, mm. but it's a fun take on it. It's like, what would have happened if a chick had a vendetta against the Nazi people because she watched her family get killed after, you know... Yeah. Christoph Waltz said they're under the floorboards, aren't they? And like, she spent her whole life trying to kill him. It's a cool story. It is. I don't know why I'm trying to defend the stupid. I guess I'm playing devil's advocate because <laughs> I don't care for the stupid. But yeah, we don't care about you dummies. It is something I, I think about. Read like, a book. If you're going to use a real person in your movie, like how accurate do you have to be to that person's character, to who they were? I wonder about that. I feel like you do need to be accurate to them. Like I wouldn't want to see Martin Luther King in a movie and he's like, 
I don't know, like not the way history remembers him, you know, like if you're going to put him in there, make, unless it's like, this is a farce about whatever character, you know, like, oh, we're putting, you know, I don't know, like, uh, Blackbeard in this movie, but we're going to make him like super flamboyant and he's actually like a closet um, pirate back then and we're gonna you know like have him actually be like a treasure hunter who's secretly fighting for Spain like mm, that's not that's not what happened like is that a TV show I don't know maybe like <laughs> I have no idea that just came up in my brain are you sure because that sounds very similar to our flag means death but I haven't seen the show I've never seen I've never heard of I that I think that before. some of that at least might be the premise <laughs> of that show I don't know <laughs> if you're gonna put a historical character in a movie it just, unless you, like, explicitly are like, this is not at all supposed to be true. Like, I'm going to put Jesus in this movie and he's going to have, like, ninja skills. Like, as far as we know, we don't know if Jesus had ninja skills or not. But still, you know, I don't know. Yeah. There was a movie that came out on Netflix last year called America, the Motion Picture. I don't know if you took a look at that. Oh, I have it saved. I need to watch it just because I want to laugh. It's going to, as a historian, you're, it's going to give you an aneurysm. See, but I'm not going to watch that for history because <laughs> I, know, I see the animation and I'm pretty yeah. sure there's like a dude drinking a beer. Like, I know looking at that, this is not going to be a documentary about America. This is going to be some satirical piece yeah. of trash I know, that I'm going to love. What they do with it is still so like, are you kidding me? It's, I described it as the last thing a like Florida State student sees as he like ODs on Adderall while he's studying for his history <laughs> test. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's like George Washington and his super best bro, Abraham Lincoln. It's yes. already right there. I'm like, yes, what? after like form an Avengers style of like team of American historical figures to take on King James. That's fantastic. It was so stupid. It was See, ridiculous, but, like, but it made me laugh. It's it's not supposed to be a historical yeah. show because automatically you have two people from different time periods yeah. that didn't exist. It's perfect. I'm, yeah, I'm not it's, I'm not claiming this film as a documentary. I just find it crazy that we like that we can do that. I mean, there's an anime where Jesus and the Buddha are roommates, so I think there's really anything that's like fair game. Hmm. Yeah, good stuff. So um, League of Their Own. Yeah, League of Their Own. <laughs> Um, some stuff I had from the movie, just some like highlights I wanted to point out. Um, I love the character of Marla. Yeah. Cause she's just introduced as just this ugly duckling that everyone just kind of like looks at like, Whoa, poor Marla. <laughs> and she's, yeah, she ends up married to, as you said, some dweeb. Yeah. What's his name? Nelson. Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. I recognized him as the guy in home alone who couldn't help Kate get to an airplane. He was like, where the hell am I? Scranton, that guy. Nelson reminds me of the guy from uh, Batman Forever, the security guard at the beginning who Two-Face is messing with. And he's like, <laughs> my shoes are melting. Like, that's who Nelson reminds it's me of. boiling acid. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a certain... Smiles. <laughs> Jesus. There's a certain build of person that keeps popping up in movies as just like the certified joke. Yeah. And just by looking at him, we're like, oh, something funny's going to happen with this, this guy. This is going to be a kooky character. Yeah. But no, it was actually pretty serious, and they get married. And it was yeah, nice. it was cute. It was sweet. He said, I'll drive her home. It'd be an honor. Like, oh, that's nice. Uh, I felt this movie, you know, as a as a man, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in America, but this was pretty fucking condescending. Like, remarkably condescending. Just the, the, the team, the Rockford Peaches. Like, really... Yeah, um, I mean, what else are you going to call them? I don't know, something with some, some bite. Some bite? 
Yeah, but like that's that's not nineteen forties women team. You're not gonna be like, oh yeah, like the the Rockford baddies. Like no, that's like a team from today. That's what all those. Do. But even like you hear teams in high school, they you know like high school teams, they're always the lady, whatever the mascot is. They're never given some like cool thing. It's like oh, you could be like the warrioresses or warrioresses or whatever. No, you're just the lady warriors. You're just the lady jaguars. Like you're just the lady whatever. Women still kind of get the shaft in terms of team names. Um, which is lame, unless they're their own, like, professional thing. But if it's a spinoff or a whatever of, like, for this example, you know, you're in the 40s. I, I don't at all. Um, I'm not surprised, but, like, even today that happens. When I was a softball player, I was happy we were the volunteers, which was pretty cool. But as, like, a soccer player as a little kid, we were the daisies. Which, to be fair, I also was in kindergarten. You probably wouldn't want to give little kids, like, a badass name like, oh, yeah, they're, like, they're the, I don't know, like, the man-eaters or something. Um, so, like, the daisies are cute, but, like, I appreciated having the volunteers as our name. We were orange and blue and had, like, a little angry patriot guy on her hat. Like, Ur. <laughs> I worked at New Braunfels High School for a bit. And oh, yes. <laughs> their mascot is the unicorns. That's the, like, the rate, like, the standard team. So I wonder, is there like a lady unicorns or how does that? Yeah, I guarantee you they're probably the un- lady unicorns. That's... They really, that's like, high school names are so lazy for the yeah. women's teams. They're just like, oh, just slap the word lady in front of it. Perfect. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's stupid. Yeah, it is. In this movie, um, John Lovitz's job is to go across the Midwest and find not just good ballplayers, but hot ballplayers. So that is the main thing he wants to find. It doesn't matter if they're good at playing the game as long as they're attractive. If, they go, if they're good at playing the game, it's a bonus. And that was kind of shitty. Um, and Harvey's whole organization, they have to wear skirts instead of actual uniforms. That's apparently true. Mm-hmm. And that was just... like I saw in the documentary, like, the bruises they would get from sliding and playing baseball with a skirt on and not proper attire. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. Yeah. No, it was a, uh, it was part of the rules that they had to wear lipstick at all times. That was one of it. You couldn't wear jewelry while playing the game. So they did have some sort of idea of like safety because you shouldn't wear jewelry like period if you're playing any sort of sports. Um, but yeah, they had to wear like a tunic with a flared skirt on it because it's about being pretty that was you know that was a big thing in the 1940s and 50s you gotta be bombshells because why are people gonna watch a bunch of butch boys or butch girls go out there playing sports when you could have like oh like nice pinup dolls going out and also being good at sports because it wasn't they weren't putting girls on there that weren't good they were going to you know areas that had like potential you know they had tryouts i believe over 200 women tried out for the first um whatever it's called season and only, I think, 64 made the teams. Uh, and you had to be good. Like, they tested every every skill you would have. Fielding, pitching, catching, um, sliding. Um, they didn't... I don't think they probably knew they were going to be playing in skirts when they were having to slide. Because why the hell would you slide in a skirt? But, you know, it's whatever. That's, that's tiny details. They also weren't allowed to have short hair. That's another one. You had to have long, flowing hair, so I wouldn't have been allowed to play. Because um, I have a short haircut. Because long hair looks horrible on me. But yeah, like they had to have a certain hairstyle. You had to have a certain physique. You had to have a certain, you know, makeup style. Like you, they were all given beauty kits and they were given instructions on how to use them as well, which is another thing I would not be allowed on the team for because I don't wear makeup because it's expensive. I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I wouldn't be able to. I would have fought back so hard. And I can't believe more 
didn't. I mean, the forced charm classes, the no smoking, no drinking, no men rules, mm -hmm. and just this, like, facade they have to put on of the mm -hmm. all-American girl. It's fucking crazy. I, could, I, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it was. And that's still, I'm sure, I don't know, you know, what happens with, like, our Olympic athletes either. But I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever seen an ugly Olympic athlete? Off the top of my head, I can't picture or like at least female athlete that's the bigger one because i feel like guys they get a they get a little bit more leeway but with a lot of things with women even today like you don't see unattractive women in any sort of public role you don't see them on sports leagues you don't see them on um like news broadcasts which that's a bigger one you don't really see anybody unattractive on those but still like anytime i watch the olympics i've never seen someone i'm like oh that's on the face a mom could love like mm -mm. Because it's still an important, I like it's still an important um, aspect of our culture, is beauty and looking nice and like facial symmetry and like not having a unibrow. Like that poor girl on their team and the lady was all like, "There should be two of them" or whatever when she was doing like the beauty, you know, like standard thing. I don't know. It makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um... Yeah, we still, in, in this country at least, still prioritize looks over talent. And that's just fucking stupid. That's how it be. But I feel like that's kind of a, um, what is it called? I'm trying to think of the word. But it's it's like one of those like primitive things. Because, you know, attraction to people is inherently like primitive. That's, that's how people breed. You want to like put things that are pretty up on pedestals because that's what you're sexually attracted to. And, you know, that's that's still what pushes things today. That's why it's like hard for people who are just like, oh, I got a personality, but I don't I don't look nice. Like it's hard for them to find a mate because inherently people are attracted to what they're attracted to. And there is a standard for it. And it's sad because it does keep people off of, you know, jobs that they should get or, um, you know relationships and all that that's why i hate like miss universe and miss america and like be especially toddler beauty pageants those are mcfreaking gross it's so nasty that you're teaching these little girls to go up there and like put in like fake teeth because if you don't know that they do that um they put in fake teeth i think they're called flippers um and they put like makeup on and they have like these little things and if they're not pretty enough then you know they're not gonna win and so they instill that at an age of like five that you're never going to be good because you look like shit compared to this other little girl in a swimsuit because for some reason that's okay that we're we're doing that. Frank Reynolds sings a song about it. <laughs> Should watch that episode of Always Sunny. Frank's Little Beauties. Yeah, and if you are wondering, um, he does not diddle kids. No, he does not diddle He's kids. He's very clear about that. They got to be big, not little. <laughs> Older than my daughter. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I I despise the whole toddlers and tiaras culture. That is so sick. It is so nasty. And I don't get why that's just so normalized in this country. We have so many fucking weird things we just are okay with in yeah. this country. And sexualizing children is amazingly one of them. It's gross. Um, back to a league of their own. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Dugan. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be such an asshole. <laughs> and because Tom Hanks doesn't usually play assholes. But, you know, he, he learns, and he becomes a good a good leader. But in that first half of the movie, man, he is just a prick. <laughs> so you scratch your balls for <laughs> however <laughs> I wave my little hat. No, when do I get paid? I love that movie. I oh. love Use Your Brain. It's that lump three <laughs> feet above your ass. 
Yeah. No crying in baseball. It's an iconic scene. I get it now. Mm -hmm. It's delightful. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. And then she cries because why would you do that? Poor Evelyn. And then later he composes himself, <laughs> nearly gives himself a stroke, but is like, I need you to work on that. Can you, can you do that for me? <laughs> oh, thanks. You're the best. Um, and yeah, the, the crux of this film is the the relationship between Dottie and Kit. Yep. Which comes to head at the World Series. Mm -hmm. And I believe Rockford didn't... Did they make it to the, to the series? No, they didn't, make, they it didn't the make it to the first World Series, so that's not an accurate um, part. Which makes me wonder why they didn't pick Kenosha or... No, who was it? The ones that went to the first one. Um... Hold on, I can do this. I wrote it down on my notes. Oh, is the Kenosha Comets and Racine Bells, which Racine is in the World Series in the movie, and they do win. So you wonder why they didn't make them the Racine Ken Bells? Kenosha Comets? Yeah. That's quite better yeah, than no, the Rockford like, Peaches. Well, and I want to say, I don't want to say they named them the Peaches for anything sexual. I don't know the, I guess, agricultural economy of Rockford. But I imagine that was also because they they like grow peaches up there. Um, Where is Rockford again? It's up in Illinois. Okay. See, I think you know Illinois. I think I immediately think Chicago Bears or Chicago Cubs. It's like yeah, but those are those are men teams. You're not going to name the men the peaches. See, that's there. There it is. Yeah, that's where I was getting. <laughs> well, you're not going to do that because men are like angry and mean. Girls are like, oh, you know. We're girls. That's we, we get to be the peaches, not the cubs. I've met a lot of mean girls. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> Man, girls are bitches. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Dottie and Kit comes to Kit gets traded up to the to Racine and knocks one out of the park. It's debatable whether Dottie dropped the ball on purpose. I like to think she did. Just, I think she did. Yeah. Because she had like that one time when she didn't drop it and someone ran into her. Also, Kit, fuck you for just plowing right into yeah, your Yeah, she sister. did that on purpose. Yeah. Like, she totally did. And then afterwards, it's like, you know, hey, it's okay. And Dottie's like, I just want to go home. I got my husband back. My husband didn't die, unlike somebody's. Glad she didn't say that. Unlike <laughs> Betty, who's not even trying. Yeah, imagine being <laughs> someone with a dead husband in the war. Come on, Betty, get good. I don't like the way Jimmy did that, by the way. He just walks into the room, starts walking towards Dottie, and then is like, sorry, Betty. Like, I'm sorry, yeah, Betty. that was well, horrible. they're sitting right next to each other. That's for the movie. I know, but he could have said, like, hey, you know, everybody leave, but, you know, Betty. Or he could have done the really insensitive way, like, who here has a husband? I can't Not remember. so fast, Betty. Is it... <laughs> Oh, ooh, man. <laughs> All right, everyone who has a husband, let's go on the field. Yeah. Ooh, Betty, I'm sorry. You got to stay here. Jesus. <laughs> that sucks, damn. <laughs> oh, I do love Bob, though. Yeah. We, we know Lone Star! Yeah, fucking Bill Pullman, president of, the you know, president of Independence Day, gives the best speech ever. Yeah. Always love Bill Pullman. Uh, but in this, he's just, we know nothing about Bob besides nope. he's Dottie's husband. And yeah. then we meet him, and we know even less. Yeah. Guy has no personality. But you know what? He's supportive, and I like that. Yeah, which is nice. I'll take it. I was I was entirely expecting him to be like, no wife of mine's going to be a ball player. I was kind of scared whenever yeah. I was younger that he would be like that. And he's like, that's my wife. Yeah. Like, Mom, he's man, there at the see? games. I love it. That's so nice. <laughs> oh. So yeah, Rockford loses, but the league plays on. Mm -hmm. Jimmy's like, I already got a job. I like that. Jimmy's like, I'm going to stay here. They yeah. need me. And I need them. And 
we flash forward to the framing device, which is this old lady who is dubbed over with Gina Davis's voice, which is fucking weird. Instead of just giving Gina Davis some old makeup or letting the lady speak naturally, they yeah. they did some kind of weird hybridization that just doesn't age well. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, it took me a while to be like, is that still Gina Davis? Or is that like a really good lookalike? <laughs> well, they go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, which did happen. They These ladies were inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, they have a wing. I haven't been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. I hope it's still there. I assume it is. I don't know why it wouldn't be. I don't know. Assuming they gotta like make extra space for like some Barry Bonds exhibit or something. No, they would they would raise too much hell if for like some reason they had to, or uh, for some reason they were trying to find an excuse to get rid of the women's baseball league thing. Because again, they weren't the only professional team like they or the only professional league. They had the other one um, that like fought with them to get players and to trade and stuff like that. No. Um. Yeah, Jimmy Nugent, by the way, was not real. He's based on two separate baseball players. Uh, let me see if I've got them. Do you have them by chance? No. All right, I will. I do not. This is you know, the Bill O'Reilly Hour. We're doing it live, folks. But while he's looking at it, some of the other team names that came up later on, you had the Minneapolis Millerettes, uh, Milwaukee Chicks, Kenosha Comets, Rockford Peaches, Chicago Colleens. The Milwaukee Chicks. Oh, yeah. my God. Um, per- Peoria Red Wings, Springfield Sallies, South Bend Blue Sox, Fort Wayne Daisies, Kalamazoo Lassies, Racine Bells, the Muskegon Lassies slash Bells, Grand Rapids Chicks, Battle Creek Bells. Um, Rockford was the one that won the most titles. And then another thing that happened in the movie that isn't accurate, I guess they had a seven-game series like the MLB does. They only had five-game series. Okay. So, not like a big crazy thing, but, you know, that... They didn't have a um, game series. Tom Hanks said this is his favorite movie of his, by the way, which I love. Really? Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Fox and Hack Wilson. That is the most 40s name I have ever heard in my life. Hack Wilson. That's, it is. That's fantastic. Uh, and yeah, they were, you know, I'm sure, I don't know how much of them got into Jimmy, but Jimmy's a washed up ex-great ball player who has, you know, a cartilage problem in his knees and is now considered a liability because he's a drunk. And they just kind of need somebody to babysit, so they give it to him, and he's immediately just like, he's happy to hit the money, but he is so resentful of having to do this. Yeah, but he's not the only, um, I don't know, like, I I didn't read too much into it. I was looking, all the information I got is from, like, the All-American Girls Baseball League website, Um, but he wouldn't have been the only, like, former player to be a manager. They got mainly, or they really only got former players to be managers of the teams for the crowd aspects. When he's like, I'm going to wear my little hat and I get paid. That's that's kind of why they did it, because, you know, it's hard to sell women's sports. It still is today. That's why the, like, WNBA isn't as popular as the NBA. Um, So one of the aspects you would get people to go out is like, oh, I heard, you know, you know, so-and-so is going to be there. He used to play for the Chicago Cubs. I want to go see him. And they're like, oh, wow, like, the women are actually pretty good at playing baseball. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't the only one that did that. I'm sure, though, there were a few that were pretty resentful of it. Because it is a culture shock. Like, we're doing what now? <laughs> Who's playing baseball? <laughs> no. But the women did get pretty well paid. They got 45 to $85 a week. Mm. Um, which in today's currency, I think, goes up to like 600 Damn. Something like that. Um, and then it went up to 125, if not more than that in the later seasons. So they got like, they got compensated really well for doing this and like professional league baseball, they had to play hundreds of games during the season over a hundred. So not hundreds, but they had to play a lot. 
which I imagine is kind of weird when you only had four teams at the beginning. <laughs> it's yeah. like YMCA teams and it's like, oh, okay, the, the volunteers are playing the, you know, I don't know, the pirates today. Okay, now you're going to go play the, the Lassies. Oh, back to playing the Pirates because you played them last week because it's all, it's all there is. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that got a little weird and uncomfortable. I'm sure there were some pretty big rivalries between those teams. I imagine so. Yeah, it is interesting that they tried to create kind of this the same atmosphere of the World Series with only a handful of teams. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, they made the most of it. They were A lot of them were great players. Mm-hmm who did a great job and i do like in the movie that you know you gradually get to see the hecklers turn into fans and the seats start to sell out and people actually started caring because you know morale was down in world war ii we lost baseball all the men were away to die it was like Mm -hmm. what the hell do we do now and president roosevelt was like i'll tell you what we did we play some fucking ball we're gonna stay seated because i can't stand ah you ever see pearl harbor Apparently there's a scene where President Roosevelt is like, you know, we got to do something. And he like climbs out of his chair and is like, I will stand for this or something like that. It's so sappy. Wow, good for him. (laughs) It's a terrible movie. But in that moment, it's like, wow, this is a little, it's a lot. (laughs) Oh, um, yeah. Any other uh, fun facts, details about the All-American Girls League Mm. you might have discovered? Oh, well, <clears throat> this is also interesting. Besides the fact that the players were constantly, like, jumping ship from the All-American Girls League to the other league, um, they also were traded pretty frequently throughout this, the series and during the, I guess, the season. So, like, when Kit gets traded in the movie and she's all pissy about it, like, that wasn't uncommon. They would have done that to try and keep the teams as balanced as possible because they didn't want just one team to just win, 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 because nobody would want to go to the game. You're like, oh, well, we already know who's going to win. The Bells are going to win because they have all the good players. So it would be very common for them to move girls around to try and balance things out. So it would be something you'd be like, oh, well, I don't know. They traded this person to this, you know, team now. Maybe they'll be a little bit better. Um, that was pretty, pretty interesting. They also forbade the girls from, like, having communication with each other on different teams to keep the, the spirit of rivalry alive. So they're like, nope, if you're on the Racine Bells, you're not allowed to talk to the Rockford Peaches. Sorry, like... But my sister's over there like, too bad. That sucks. You gotta hate each other. Also, get that cigarette out of your mouth. They treated it like a game of make-believe. Yeah. The owners, anyway. Yeah. It's it's weird. Well, it's similar to WWE with the whole kayfabe thing. Whenever you're not, like, on the ring or whatever, in the ring doing your thing, you're still gonna act like a dick. Like, if you're Roman Reigns right now, um, and you're being, like, you know, the tribal chief being an ass... When you leave, you can't be like, oh, hey, dude, like, nice to meet you, Mike. My name's... You're going to be like, oh, like, bow to me, acknowledge me. Like, you got to keep it going. Um, except this was not, you know, like, scripted beforehand. Like, this... Or it is, because I could go on a whole rant about how I think professional leagues are definitely rigged. Um, yeah. And they're scripted, and we already know who's going to win the Super Bowl before it even happens. But, you know, no, it's not. <laughs> it's all about stats. It's so much better. We just need to kill the Jerry Jones so that the Cowboys do better. <laughs> I had mentioned uh, earlier a baseball movie called Eight Men Out, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, the story of the 1919 World Series, which was was rigged. Like they, It was found out that the White Sox had cheated, and they were 
or some of the White Sox had cheated, but the whole team got penalized for it. And it's about the trial and who got kicked out and the people who were like, why did you do this? Like, I just wanted to play ball. I didn't know about this, but they got, they were part of it. Great movie. Did you mean the Houston Astros? <laughs> no. But it does happen a lot. <laughs> Astros don't deserve that other World Series. It should be taken away from them, but oh well. Sadly, they won this year. I'm going to cry. That's fine. I don't know. Sports aren't my forte. It's fair. But the next movie I pick is probably going to be a sports movie. So That's fine. I'm probably going to be doing Glory Road at some point because I love that movie. I could throw us headlong into The Conjuring, but I, I won't. Oh, I forgot. That is that is based <laughs> off of a, a historical thing. Interessante. Uh, so after weighing the evidence, I'm going to label this one with real. I would. It's not so outlandish um, that if you go and someone's like, do you know anything about the All-American Girls Baseball League that someone would give facts from the movie? It'd be like, no. The fact that they don't use proper, uh, like, characters, you know, if you're like, oh, yeah, like, Jimmy Dugan, like, who the fuck is that? That's not a real person. Like, but everything else is pretty accurate. Like, there wasn't anything that was so, Ugh. they didn't do that. They didn't actually wear skirts. They didn't actually have, like, no, they did. They had that whole training camp at Wrigley Field, even though it was Harvey Field in the movie. Like, that, that all happened, which is pretty cool. So I would also say it's real. Real to me. Yeah, the characters are fictional, but the spirit is real. And I think this is an important movie. It tells a vital piece of American sports history and gives you enough to actually know something mm -hmm. about it, which is nice. I agree. If you asked, you know, some dude who watched 300 about the Battle of Thermopylae, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, the Persians had giants and there was a hunchback. And yeah, no, you lost Jeopardy, Bell. Uh, <laughs> this was fun. I always enjoy doing these. Uh Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message on the socials. Check out the website, filmgasm.com. We have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films in every episode of all five of our shows now. Uh, if you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on Support This Podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate any donations. Don't miss Better Watch Out on Wednesday's Filmgasm, the Star Wars Holiday Special on Friday's Beyond the Bad, and The Mummy on Oscar Sunday. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, it's going to be a blast. Quick reminder that Fake True Stories is not a weekly show, but rather a spontaneous experiment that can drop at any time, whenever Isabel and I feel like putting one together. Yeah. Uh, for our next episode, we're going to be taking on Disney's 1995 historical travesty, Pocahontas. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's totally a true story. It is a travesty, <laughs> and I will stand by that. A truly disingenuous retelling of English settlers' first encounters with Native American tribes in the early 17th century. <laughs> to, yeah, set to a Vanessa Williams soundtrack that is pretty good. I will give it that. It's a fantastic soundtrack. <laughs> so yeah, Pocahontas. It's gonna get it's gonna get dark and it's gonna get angry ne next time. <laughs> We're gonna dunk on some more Disney stuff, but I also really love the movie, so look forward to some. Um, coping <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime take a loved one out to the ball game and we'll see you next time on fake true stories mm -hmm.